This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome into Purple Access, an offshoot of the Purple Daily Show. Just to clear things up, what we are going to do is we are, throughout the course of the offseason at least, going to rotate weeks. My buddy Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune, will join every other Thursday. And in his stead, we will have, every other Thursday as well, Tyler Fornis, my friend from Vikings Wire. In fact, if you want to find the written work of Sportsdad, you're saying it used to be at scorenorth.com. Sportsdad, where did it go? I'm going to tell you right now. It's at vikingswire.com, which is really your one-stop shopping for everything Vikings, thanks to uh, Tyler, who does an absolutely outstanding job. And uh, Forno, what's up, man? How are things going? How's your life going these days? Well, uh, hopefully you guys can hear me decently well because I I was in Arizona for the past week and that dry air really crushed my throat <laughs> and my voice. So um, I'm good. doing good. I'm, I'm recovering from a red eye, so um, I'm just thankful to finally have gotten a night's sleep. Um, but the Vikings have been uh, very interesting, and that kind of makes life better. It wasn't the uh, tequila shots I saw you doing over the weekend to Porno either. It had nothing to do with that either. Uh, that's good. Uh, my, my mother-in-law, let me tell you, <laughs> I hit the in-law jackpot. But she she was uh, getting me really rambunctious with some tequila shots. Uh, it. It, it it got a little pricey, but it was fun. A mother in law who does tequila shots that was not a problem of mine. So that's very <laughs> very impressive. All right, Forno, let's start here. Let's start with what we hear, um, both from a reckless speculation standpoint, speculation standpoint, and reality standpoint about all of the due diligence the Vikings seem to be doing on a very important position quarterback right now. Uh, while you were gone. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN, had a very interesting item about um, about L- Lamar Jackson, who is who obviously can because he's on the transition tag can sign an offer sheet with teams. They the Baltimore Ravens could match that, but nonetheless, Jeremy essentially said that the Vikings are a dark horse in that, at least keeping an eye on, on it, and certainly what appears to be doing their due, due diligence when it comes to Lamar Jackson. We have heard quite a bit of rumbling that uh, Kentucky quarterback Will Levis is at least a guy that the Vikings like a lot. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, a former National Football League scout who does good work now and does mock drafts himself for NFL.com, floated the name of uh, Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback, to the Vikings. It's obvious that they are basically looking under every rock, exploring options, for Kirk Cousins' potential replacement. What is your takeaway from this? Because it's been a while, it feels like, since we've had this much scuttlebutt about the Vikings and their quarterback situation. So let's kind of start here. 
it's obviously a smart idea to make sure you're always looking at quarterbacks. You just never know. The Cowboys thought they're going to have Tony Romo for four to five more years. Hurts his back. He had a fourth round pick named Dak Prescott who came in and is now one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. It's a good idea to always be looking because you just never know. And since what? I think uh, it was 1980 that I did the study. The Vikings have only drafted 13 quarterbacks. 13 quarterbacks in 43 years. That's that's not exactly trying to invest in the position. We saw that throughout the Denny Green era. Hey, we're going to get this veteran guy. He's going to play for a couple years because we think we can win right now. Never really trying to truly develop a guy until they got Dante Culpepper. And we all know how that ended up turning out. And ever since the Culpepper era, there have been a couple attempts. Tavares Jackson, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Kellen Mond. But kind of looping it all back, I'll talk about Ponder in a little bit. They haven't really tried. And with Quasi Dolphamensa's background in the stock market, you have to leave no stone unturned. Because if you forget to look at one aspect of a potential business deal, the whole thing could go kerplunk. And if that happens, what like where is your reputation? Like, why should I trust you to invest my money if you're not gonna try and let every stone go unturned? So when you look at all that, it makes complete sense. Plus, I just released an article a couple hours ago for the Vikings Wire. The quarterback of the future is the number one need of this team. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a rookie. But you have to know where your future is. And right now, after this season, there is no future. Kirk Cousins is a free agent. Nick Mullins is on a two-year, $4 million deal. You're not giving him the keys to the car. It just doesn't make any sense. You have to find out what you want to do with that position, make a plan, and stick to it. And right now, that's why I think you're hearing so much scuttlebutt about the Vikings. And we we'll, we can talk about Hooker. I think that's an absolutely atrocious move to trust your franchise with Hendon Hooker. Um, I wrote a long piece about it for zone coverage um, while I was in the Delta Sky Club waiting for my red eye. Nice. Because I, it, it just doesn't make any damn sense. Um, you take a look at Hooker. Yeah, he, he threw 30 touchdowns, only three interceptions, has a low turnover worthy play rate. But why? The most important thing about any stat is the context behind it. Any single singular use stat or stats you just compile together mean absolutely nothing unless you contextualize it. So when you look at everything, why did Hooker have such a low turnover worthy play rate? Why did he throw so few interceptions? He runs an offense called the Veer and Shoot with one of the most brilliant minds in college football, Josh Heifel. Judd, you may remember him. He was the starting quarterback of that 2000 Oklahoma Sooners team that won the national championship. He's brilliant. He can isolate people into great matchups. Think of what Kevin O'Connell did with Justin Jefferson this year. Getting lined up multiple times against edge rushers. That's what Heupel does. He identifies a weakness in the defense, attacks, attacks, attacks. But he does so with spacing. And in college football, the hash marks are about nine yards wider. That means when you are on the far left or the far right, there's a lot of open space out there for you. And with that open space, you can manipulate things. You can do a lot of different things. Most College teams will not play man cover, so you're playing against zone. They, it's a lot of dink and dunk. It's a lot of read option. It's a lot of quarterback draws, RPOs, and then go balls. There is no full progression reads. There is no, hey, uh, we're going to actually use NFL route concepts. There's no dagger. There's no pin. Like they, they don't even really use mesh. They're running like speed outs, slants, glance routes, which is just a slant on an RPO, and go balls. And then they use kind of the run shoot stuff where you get the switch. We have the two receivers, and then they flip you do at the line of scrimmage to try and create some confusion with the defensive backs. 
it's a Mickey Mouse offense that you would see run at the high school level, and none of it is translatable to the NFL. And quite frankly, if you want that guy to be your quarterback, he should probably be like 20 or 21, so you could hopefully grow and develop him. If you're drafting a 25-year-old, one, it should be a red flag that he's dominating 19-year-old kids at the college level, and he only started doing so at 23, 24 years old. And two, your development curve should be up way farther along than it is. Mm-hmm. And it's not. He needs work in order to get him to a point because he can't even run a quick game effectively. Like Will Levis is 23, and he's got work to do. But you could trust him to run a quick game. You could trust him to do like the 2016 Vikings offense where it's a lot of slants, a lot of flat routes, a lot of uh, stick, hitches, those little things. You can't trust Hooker with that. It If the Vikings took him at 23, it would be one of the biggest mistakes they made since Christian Ponder. Hell, you could argue it's the same thought process as Christian Ponder. We need a quarterback. Let's just go get one and not actually get the right one. Tyler, on Levis really quick. So I've seen mock drafts from the early stages, like before you went, or before people went to the Senior Bowl and whatnot, that had him as a consensus top 10 guy. And now I'm seeing more mocks that kind of have him outside the top 10, not universally, but certainly I've seen him more outside the top 10 than normal. If he falls, let's say, I don't know, 16, 17, the later mid-teens route, is there a path where the Vikings should trade up to go get him? Are you someone that's staying away from him? What's kind of your take on how the Vikings should approach getting Will Levis? Levis is an interesting one. My comp for Levis is Kirk Cousin with the ability to make some Josh Allen type throws because he's not, he's got a big arm, but he plays the game a lot like Cousins does. He's really good in the quick game. He's really good when kept clean and he's, he struggles a lot when it comes to being pressured and he doesn't like to create outside of it. It's not something he's shown. Can he do it? I don't know, but he hasn't shown me anything where I believe he can do it at the next level. So there are real issues. I gave him a second round grade. And he's my quarterback for if you want to take him in the first round, I get it. I'm not giving up a first round pick to move up for him. If you can move up for Will Levis without giving up that one, I think it's a smart play. He sits behind cousins. He can learn the offense. He can learn some of the nuances, work on dealing with pressure. And even Kirk has gotten better at dealing with pressure. So you can potentially pick his brain if he's willing to share that information that is uh, and try to understand how to better manipulate it because they play a similar style of football. Um, I do think if you prioritize Levis, that I think there's going to be something lost that you wouldn't get with the other three guys, but the other three guys would cost a fortune to move up for. And that's a a risk benefit analysis that you have to determine, Hey, is it worth mortgaging, uh, the future of this franchise similar to the way that Mike Dick can mortgage the Saints franchise, by trading an entire draft and the next year's first and third to go get Ricky Williams. Now it's, it's a different day and age. It's a quarterback. But if that quarterback makes that much of a difference, it's worth considering, and I guarantee you they're talking about it at TCL. Your thoughts on on what we started the show with, which is just even the thought that the Vikings are exploring or could eventually, probably, almost certainly post-draft, be in on an offer sheet for Lamar Jackson, which obviously would be very expensive. I love the idea of it. And you can argue, and there have been some people that have argued about it, and I think it's a little bit misguided because I think some of it has to do with the fact that like, Hey, Lamar Jackson's a black quarterback. And and there obviously is some racism in, in conversations that people have about Lamar Jackson. Like there's no doubt about it. He is not treated the same as he would be if he was white. 
people are saying, well, why would you give up two first round picks to go get like Anthony Richardson when you could uh, give two first round picks for Lamar Jackson? That conversation isn't exactly fair either because you're not getting Lamar Jackson on a rookie contract. You're going right. to pay him 45 to $50 million annual average annual value per season. Correct. So the economics of it just doesn't match up. Now the player, Lamar Jackson, I'd be thrilled, bring him in. And I think a lot of the, the so-called issues that he has with throwing the football have to do with not having quality receivers. Yeah. He has Mark Andrews name one other receiver that's played well for the Baltimore Ravens. That's nearly impossible because there hasn't been one. Like Bateman has a, has potential, but he's been hurt. You've had Sammy Watkins, James Prochet. Like you're, you're talking about guys who are just Jags at best. And there hasn't been any sort of semblance of continuity. Plus Greg Roman cannot design a passing offense to save his life. (laughs) I think you can implement a lot of the things Lamar Jackson does well in a modern style passing offense. I thought in his draft class 2018, Lamar was the most pro-ready passer of all of them playing for Bobby Petrino. They did a lot of pro-style stuff while intermingling a lot of that RPO, read option kind of stuff that made Lamar Jackson a Heisman Trophy winner. I think you can combine the two and really emphasize both of those points without taking away anything from Jackson. But he needs help on the outside. He's not getting anything, and he's having to really put the whole team on his back Part of the reason why you're seeing some of those injuries. I truly believe he could have came back last year, but was so sick of the Ravens organization and where things were going that he was just like, nah, I'm good. Bornis, if it was up to you and you would either have to trade up multiple first round picks or multiple draft capital, I maybe should say to get into the top five, 10 to get one of these sure, maybe not surefire, but one of these more uh, top three consensus quarterbacks, or would you rather trade the two first round picks for Lamar Jackson? Which route would you rather take if you were running the Vikings? Right now, it would be for the rookie quarterback. If it would have been a week ago before the Kirk Cousins restructure, I would have taken Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson is a sure thing. You know everything you're getting. And with how they want to continue to construct this team where they want to stay competitive, I think from that business model standpoint, Lamar makes the most sense. Um, With how Kirk Cousins' contract is restructured, the only benefit of that is if you were to trade him, it is a significantly less lesser of a cap hit than it would have been two weeks ago if the Niners say hey we want uh Kirk Cousins we'll give you a first in 2024 right well they have a cap hit of 10 million bucks for Kirk Cousins you sign him to an extension you bump that up let's say to 15 million and then all of a sudden the 2023 cap hit is pretty reasonable right especially for like a top 10 top 15 starting quarterback Uh, but right now I think you'd have to go for the rookie just because the way you've set yourself up the way with Kirk Cousins and how that dead money is going to hit next year and X, Y, and Z. Plus, I I would bet the farm that Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud are going to be phenomenal in the NFL. I think both of them have all the tools. I have real concerns about Bryce Young's size. His height is always an issue. Players can work around it. You've seen it with Russell Wilson. You've seen it with Drew Brees. That doesn't mean it's not a problem. Um, I I think it could be a problem because. In the NFL, you're going to be playing a lot better competition and trying to evade some of those um, defenders. Plus, I want to see him better within structure. I didn't see a lot of great from him within structure. Most of his greatness came when the play breaks down. I want to see a little more as far as just running a traditional offense. How are you with progressions? How are you with your reads? Can you just go from one, two, three to four and do that really consistently? Some of that wasn't his fault. 
But it's why I have those questions, because you didn't see a ton of it. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Speaking of the draft, sir, at uh, vikingswire.com uh, right now, one of the first things you can find when you go to the website is a mock draft that you produced in the past couple of days. Starting with the first round, take me through your uh, thought process on that and, like, let's say the top 10, and then who you had eventually right now with the draft about, what, a month away or so, mm-hmm. um, who you had the Vikings taking, assuming they stay at 23. I want a mock. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, guys. So here's what I ended up doing with my mock draft. I ended up talking about, like, okay, I didn't do trades in this because, one, I was on vacation and I was writing it basically on my phone. No while excuse. We were tra- That's no <laughs> excuse for not doing trades. You know what? I, I, I'm sorry. I am I am Mel Kuyper Jr. circa 2019. I yeah, then we'll not do summer. trades. Um, no, I was in vacation mode, and I just, like, you know what? Let How would this play out if this is how it sat? Sure. And I ended up going CJ Stroud number one. I think the Panthers will take Stroud because of what Frank like Reich likes in his quarterbacks. Now, all of his quarterbacks have been taller than CJ Stroud, but with the type of offense that they like to run, how precise he is, and he can make every single throw in the book with accuracy and just ball placement, tremendous. I think he would be the perfect fit in Carolina. I also had Bryce Young going to the Texans. Um, what I've been hearing is this has been a lock for some time as long as he's available. It's either going to be Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson based on what I know. And mm. I think Bryce Young is the third best quarterback in this class, but a lot of people think he's the best player. Um, I don't know if I'm not there, but I totally see the appeal. Um, probably the biggest surprise is that I had, especially in my top 10, was I had Texas Tech edge Tyree Wilson over both Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. When it comes to Jalen Carter's legal stuff, I, like I'm not going to say I don't care. But as far as his draft stock is concerned, I don't care. I don't think it's going to be a major hindrance. I think, like, especially with this pro day, the dude got uh, an arrest warrant at the combine, went and took care of it, and you can imagine that his mind's not going to all be on football. Like, you watch the tape, he's the best player in this class. But he's, because of quarterbacks and X, Y, and Z, he's going to fall a little bit. I don't have him falling far. I think it. I had him going at six to the Detroit Lions, which would be awful for the Vikings. Um, but Tyree Wilson, he's he's kind of built like J.J. Watt. And I don't think he's J.J. Watt. But he's got in, immense power, quickness, explosiveness. He can bend a little bit for a guy who's 6'6", 275. And he can bully you inside and out. I think if you use him like the Texans used J.J. Watt when he was in his prime, getting 20 sacks a year, I think that's how you best maximize Tyree Wilson. And he still has some nuance to learn at the edge position as far as how, like how to best set up counters and how to have a more cohesive pass rush plan. But I love, love, love what he can be. And that's why he ranks so high for me. And when you kind of look at the rest of it, Richardson going to the Colts. Um, I had Will Levis falling all the way to 18 and the Detroit Lions. Um, I, I had never been super high on Willis or sorry, um, Will Levis and, I think he's going to be good, but I don't think he has that upper echelon. Like, I'm a game-breaker kind of talent. 
he has arm ability, but he doesn't really have that arrogance. Like Josh Allen had arm arrogance where it's like, yeah, screw it. I'm just going to make right. the throw and it's going to happen. Anyway. Still does. That, yeah. That's not Levis. Levis yep. is, is a little more Kirk brained than he is gunslinger. And I think that will hold him back a little bit. Um, I had seven cornerbacks going in round one, which I think is going to be a theme that you end up seeing here mm-hmm. in the draft. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, especially after he ran a four five three forty at his pro day yesterday, probably not even coming close to the Vikings, which I'm okay with because I'm lower on him than the consensus. I still have a first round grade on him, but he's my wide receiver five, and I'm I'm a little higher on this wide receiver class than most people. I think he, this class is capable, um, but I don't think there's anybody dominant. Like there's no Jerry Judy. Like he was like the number one guy a few years ago. There's no CD Lamb. There's no Justin Jefferson. But right. I think all these guys can be really good players, especially at the top. Um, at the one of the other surprises I had it was the Packers taking um, Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid at 15. I think he's just going to fit everything they want. He's not going to end up running, so we're not going to know how fast he is. But when you get the GPS tracking data, um, which I officially don't have, but when you watch him on film, he's fast. And he can outrun people. He goes up and skies for the football and attacks it at the catch point. Physicality is not an issue for him. He's not going to be able to block very well. But hopefully he can learn that, and that's something that he can grow with. Um not a whole lot of other surprises, except I did have the Vikings uh, taking a guy that you ended up talking about with uh, Thor Nystrom the other day. And mm-hmm. I had him taking uh, TCU wide receiver uh, Quentin Johnston. I love Johnston. I think that he could be one of the best players in this class. Yeah, I currently have him ranked above Will Anderson, um, which to some people are like, you're absolutely insane. Well, I go with what I see on film and everything I know because I watch more college football than probably like 99% of people. <laughs> Um, I mean, you guys are in my basement. I got the yeah. three TVs. They're always rocking. Um, but Johnson, um, he only had a 33% contested catch rate. I don't have a problem with that because I went and watched all 24 contested catches. Some of them were thrown completely out of bounds. And he still ended up catching the football, but he, they were so far out of bounds, couldn't get his feet down. And even slants are contested catches. And corners are way more likely to bully you on a slant pattern than they are on a go route. Um I think that he can go up and sky the football. He's got incredibly quick feet where I think that he can learn a nuanced route tree. He needs to learn some of the little things like how to lean when he's going for a dig route, like lean your body to the outside, get him drifting, and then cut inside. Um, Thor was right. His change of direction is not phenomenal, but I think he can continue to grow with his fluidity, get a little more fluid in his hips, and with nuance in his route running, I think that will improve. Uh, And plus, right now, you get him in space, you get him the football, he's great after the catch, and you can just send him deep. And he can truly be that stretch the field guy. His jumps were phenomenal. Like, we're talking like 95th percentile and higher on both the vertical and the broad. That is a measurement of explosiveness. I think he's going to play a lot faster and quicker in the NFL because he's going to have a capable quarterback. Max Duggan was a, a Taysom Hill playing quarterback. He, he's not an NFL guy. He just isn't. And I think when you give him that, you're going to see a level of growth with him, and you're going to see that production jump up as well. What what would scare you potentially about Quentin Johnson? Like, what would be his weaknesses? What would be things that maybe don't translate to the NFL uh, from, from the Vikings taking him at pick twenty three? Well, what happens if if he's not nearly as quick, and we're kind of misjudging some of those explosive metrics and his quarterback play? And tape, he kind of looks like a steady accelerator, but then once he gets going. He's very fast. So 
how much of that is Johnson? How much of that is how he had to play in the Sonny Dykes air raid? And with a quarterback that struggles throwing the football deep and you're the deep receiver, is he compensating for that? So there are a lot of little things there. Can he learn a full nuanced route tree? Can he learn how to be um, varied at the top of the stem, which is where the route breaks off? The, all those things right now are currently projections. I have a very positive projection on all those things. That, but it doesn't mean he's going to fix all. That doesn't mean he's going to be able to continue to grow at the next level. Maybe this is all he is. Maybe he's just a deep shot specialist. And that's not a guy you want to take in round one. But based off what I know and I've seen, I think we can project him to be a potential fringe number one wide receiver in the league. And that's perfect across from Jefferson. Forno, you didn't make trades, but if you had to handicap it right now, what do you think the odds are that the Vikings trade up or more likely down to get more picks since they're going to go into the draft as we speak right now with only five picks? I think if you were to handicap it for Vegas, it'd be like minus 600 that they're going to trade and plus like 800 that they're not just because it's crazy. All 10 picks that he made last year, none of them belonged to the Vikings um, before the draft started. None right. of them. He, he traded for all of his picks. Right. Uh, I think that's going to end up happening again just because when you look at everything, like he, he's a stock market trader. He's going to try and attack value, and I think that value is between 20 and 70. A guy you pick at 20 is not going to have a ton of difference between uh, the guy you take at 70 because everybody's kind of clustered in that uh, late day one, early to mid day two range. Um, I I think it's almost a guarantee the Vikings trade back. Uh, but if a quarterback slips at all, let's say Anthony Richardson's there at nine, <laughs> like around nine. Obviously, nine is the Bears. They probably wouldn't do it. But right, why wouldn't Quasey want to trade up? Like oh, that to me is going. really intriguing. Oh, l- l- listen, I'm a Florida Gator fan. I watched <laughs> every snap of Anthony Richardson. There is frustrating moments. There's also this guy could be a Hall of Famer based on what you see and how that kind of thing translates to the National Football League. Like, there's a wide variance, but that ceiling is so high, I would not fault anybody for it, just going up and getting him. And that is the reckless speculation that we love so much, Tyler. Great stuff. As always, find his work. Find my work at uh, vikingswire.com. Seriously, one-stop shopping. Anything Vikings, Tyler's like a hawk man. Anything that happens from a major signing to they replace the ball boy. Vikingswire.com has it. We'll talk to you in a couple Thursdays as the draft nears, Tyler. And uh, we will have plenty more to speculate on, both recklessly and with plenty of reason why. Talk to you later, Tyler. Thank you. Take it easy.